0: The Defense Department has strict and detailed procedures for how the armed services should safeguard supplies of munitions, such as ready-to-fire missiles and rockets. Trouble is, the Army, Navy, and Air Force don't always follow them. Now they've been told, as we learned from Diana Maurer, Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. Ms. Maurer, good to have you back.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. I'm happy to be on the show.
0: So you looked at storage, basically, in the United States of these types of materials. What types of ammunition are we talking about?
1: Well, to put it um, most directly, the, the most dangerous type. Um, this is a, this is ammunition that is both lethal, portable, as well as stored in a ready-to-fire configuration. It includes things like Stinger missiles that can be used to shoot down planes, Javelin missiles that can be used to uh, take out armored vehicles, And other types of uh, systems that are used to destroy things like bunkers and and armored vehicles. This is really dangerous stuff that we want to keep out of the hands of the bad guys.
0: Yeah, so almost everything above bullets but below nuclear weapons, basically.
1: Uh, Somewhere in that range, yeah.
0: And these are stored fairly extensively throughout the United States. Uh, From your report, it looks like GAO looked at 35 locations.
1: That's correct. We looked at, um, we visited about a half dozen locations in person and checked. The records from a total of 35. There were several dozen additional locations where we did not collect records from. Um, Altogether, uh, these locations store thousands of these uh, types of ammunition all across the country.
0: They're in burgs and hamlets that people may not even be aware that they're behind that fence.
1: Uh, Potentially, that's the case, yes. uh, They're stored at many different military locations around the country.
0: And what did you find that the armed services that actually own them in their local locations, bases, and so on don't follow DOD procedures?
1: Well, I'll start with the good news first. I mean, the good news is that all of the services take the physical security of these systems extremely seriously, and they devote a great deal of time and attention and resources to make sure that they are safely secured. So we looked at the physical security, so the, the fences and the gates and the electronic intrusion detection systems and all of that. We found that um, in many cases the services had set standards for physical security that did not meet the requirements that were spelled out at the Department of Defense level. In other words, DOD at the, at the sort of the mothership level had set standards that the services were not meeting in their own guidance. There was a gap there, and that's a problem.
0: What is the nature of some of the gaps?
1: They, they tend to be very specific things. So, for example, the DOD guidance requires that um the backup, but there be pack, backup power available for intrusion detection systems that last can last up to eight hours. The Army, the Navy, and the Air Force only required four hours. Um, the fencing standards required by a DOD require fences to be two inches into the ground so people can't easily get underneath them. Army, Navy, and Marine Corps required fences that could be two inches from the ground. Um, small differences, but Certainly uh, areas where the services were out of compliance with DOD requirements and potentially increase the, the, the risk.
0: I guess if a fence is two inches above the ground, you could enlist a dog or a cat to pull something under for you.
1: Exactly. Or just, or it may just be easier, create less of a delay time for someone who's trying to get underneath the fence.
0: Did you find any instances where there was physical threat of theft of these devices?
1: During our site visits at the half dozen or so locations, we did not physically see any any um, any problems. But when we reviewed uh, the inspection reports that the services conduct uh, as part of their inspections, we found that in about 60% of the cases, um, inspectors found some some uh, examples of physical security deficiencies. So there are problems, um, but the good news is that there's an inspection system in place to identify those problems, and there's there's a There's a feedback mechanism that the services are using to help address those problems.
0: We're speaking with Diana Maurer, Director of Defense Capabilities and Management at the Government Accountability Office. And now you have found that the armed services are kind of aware of this and they're already taking steps to get back to uh, to the standards?
1: Yes, they have. In fact, they started taking some preliminary actions during the course of our review. So, for instance, you know, when we found that the services in some cases were out of compliance with DOD policy, other different services started taking actions to amend their own service-specific policies. So um, that was good news. Uh, in the report itself, we made a total of five different recommendations. Other uh, services and the department concurred with all five of the recommendations. At the time we issued our report, they had actions underway to address all five, so I'm always pleased to hear that. But as of today, they have not taken sufficient action to fully to fully address those wrecks. So we're going to continue to follow up. We're going to stay on them and make sure that they are fully implemented.
0: It sounds like the recommendations were mainly on policies and procedures, not the fence should go three inches into the ground or the lighting should last nine hours, that type of thing.
1: Exactly. So for example, some of the recommendations were around making sure that the different services were doing their inspections on time. We found that about uh Um, In many instances, services were not doing their inspections in in a timely manner, so we made recommendations in that regard. Um, We also uh, made a recommendation that the Defense Department should issue guidance requiring the services to document what they've done to follow up in response to reported inspection deficiencies. So they're they're taking actions to address these, but uh, they haven't done enough yet to fully do what we want them to do.
0: And where these munitions are stored, do they tend to have people on duty guarding them as well as the fences and lighting and so forth?
1: Well, generally speaking, these are all located at military installations. Um, And, you know, we can't get into too many specifics here, but suffice to say that they're not located right next to the entry gate to the facility. So they're sort of inside a base. And yes, there are people involved in the equation um, and overall security. So we've just looked at the, the physical security aspects. We did not look at Things like training and staffing. But people are a critically important part of the overall equation for securing this ammunition.
0: Because I think a lot of bases that contain dangerous materials like this in large quantities often have two levels of security. You can get into the front gate as a contractor or a mailman or whatever it might be. But then within that area, there's a second perimeter on the inside where some of the tough stuff is that even the contractors and the mail people and so on can't get into.
1: You're absolutely right. Um, in fact, you know, if people can think about military bases as being, in many respects, small cities, right? So you can get into the small city to do some things, but there are going to be certain areas that are going to be uh, have, even have, have even higher um, uh, levels of restricted access. And where ammunition is stored, for example, has higher requirements for people to get access for all the right reasons.
0: So people living nearby the, say, Picatinny Arsenal should be able to sleep well at night, anyway, right?
1: Um, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, we we certainly didn't find that there were that, that things were being done perfectly, but the deficiencies and the problems that we found were largely in the in, in the inspection regime and ensuring that policies and procedures were in alignment with what what the Defense Department wanted. Um, and uh, certainly, DOD takes security of these systems extremely seriously.
0: Diana Maurer is Director of Defense Capabilities and Management at the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much, Tom.
0: We'll post a link to her report and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at iTunes or Podcast One.